This is the Hong Kong Football Podcast, coming to you once again from Kowloon, Hong Kong, after a fortnight in which, after two big wins in two, Taipo have a rendezvous with Pyongyang AFC debut, and James Ha scores a screamer as second-placed Aberdeeners take Easton to the cleaners. We've got everything you need to know about what's going on in local football, the tasty title tussle, typo in the AFC Cup, some CSL transfer news, sapling cup stuff, and all the upcoming fixtures. Stay with us. My name, as always, is James Legg, and I am joined today, as always, by Tobias Zusa. Hello, Toby. Hello, James. How are you? I'm very, very well. How are you? <laughs> Equally well. Let's start by talking about Taipo. They're third in the league and they're looking pretty nifty at the moment, aren't they? And this was the sound that rang around a bouncing Taipo sports ground towards the end of their match with Kichi, who they beat 3-0. Two goals from former Kichi man Sandro and a third from Igor Sartori. That was their first league win over Kichi in nine years, and they were very happy with it. Me too, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me about the game? Uh, no, 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 please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, Kichi had not lost by a three-goal margin in the entire Premier League era, or four and a half seasons of it. Let's talk a bit about this match, which happened on a glorious day in the new territories. Taipo were great, weren't they? They basically dominated I thought Kichi got into it a bit in the second half and probably should have had a penalty. Is that a fair reflection of the game? Well, yes, I, I think so. Uh, Taipo started very well in the first half, dominated, I think, most of the game, though. The second half, Kichi came back. But nonetheless, most of the time, I didn't really feel worried. I think that Taipo looked very stable, surprisingly well in the defense. I think that's something that we haven't really seen so much before. All in all... I believe, yeah, it's a fair assessment. Yeah, it, they really clicked at times, didn't they? I mean, you've got this new, mostly Brazilian-born attack of Igor Sartori, Michel Lugo, João Amir, and Sandro. And they were really moving it around very nicely, quite a lot of interplay. It was a bit like watching Brazil. Indeed. And I think we should point out that Eduardo Brace had a very good game as well. I remember that he sometimes gets some critique from you <laughs> on this podcast, but I think he looked very good in this game. Yeah, and Preyas, of course, was on the score sheet when Taipo followed that win with a 2-1 from behind victory over Eastern. There were goals against former clubs for either side in this match because ex-Taipo man Clayton Afonso opened the scoring with a bullet header for Easton. Then ex-Eastern man Michel Lugo equalized for Taipo. And then it was Preyas who got the winner. They look really good. Is this the best you've ever seen Taipo play? Well, somehow I would say yes, even given the fact that they can turn around a game against Eastern like this. And particularly impressive, the Kitschi game still. I think this is something that no one really expected. I think the last time that Kitschi lost the game 3-0 was in 2013 on a three-goal margin, right, against South China, that was. So it's certainly a very historic performance almost for Taipo. And they are looking good for being in the mix for the championship, nonetheless. Even if it's an early call, but at least they're up there. Yeah, and they're really spreading the goals around as well. It's interesting to note that the mostly goals any player has for Taipo is four. That's Sartori, Harry Sawyer, and Philip Chan. The rest are twos and threes, rather than like most of the top sides relying on one striker. I wonder if Sandro, who's only, well, he's only played three matches, 
if he could tip that balance and become a major goal threat and dominate their goals a little bit more. That could well be. And I think the main reason for signing Sandro was certainly also for the AFC Cup that is starting soon. One thing that maybe is still worth talking about, the kind of narrative that was there in the Taipo Kitschi game with Sandro taking on his former club and eventually deciding the game for Taipo. And he looked very pleased with this situation altogether. The Kitschi fans less so. Yeah, and it really did feel like, I mean, historic is a big word, but it felt like uh, you got the feeling it wasn't just any ordinary win. At the end of the game, the atmosphere in the stadium was just of such jubilation, both in terms of the players and the fans. And it was great to see, even from a you know a neutral standpoint. And you know I have my kitschy leanings, but that was, even even for me, it was it was evident to see. Another thing maybe worth to point out is that at the beginning of the season, we were a little bit unsure where Type was heading given all the departures that they were experiencing, like we already talked about it, Tanchen Locke was leaving for R&F, Andy Russell eventually was leaving, I had Sean Tse leaving, Yun Shun Singh actually was also leaving. So a lot of departures and the incoming players were maybe of good quality, but didn't really let us expect that they could fully replace these players. But it turns out that they have done very well on that front. I think that's a, a really fair point. They do tend to lose their best players. And, you know, I suppose you can add into that mix players like Ita Parika and Lucas Silva, who were there two years ago, and you know, they went on to bigger clubs in the league. And so to keep losing these players, especially, you know, when you especially look at defensive players like Sean Sayre and Andy Russell were really important. Well done, well done to Lee Chikina and Taipo for keeping the ship afloat. And not just afloat, but thriving. They now have to prove themselves on the Asian stage with an AFC Cup matches coming up in the coming couple of weeks. We'll talk about that later in the program. The other form team in the league is Southern in second place, and they are scoring more goals than they were earlier in the season as well. They have rebounded from that shock defeat to Hoi King to beat Eastern 4-1 and Lehman 3-1. This Eastern match must have been quite funny because I'm looking at the report and it just says, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Now, of course, it was a hat-trick for James Ha, who also set up Wellington D'Souza for the fourth. This was after the brilliantly named Everton Camargo put Eastern 1-0 up and the equaliser. What a strike this was from James Ha. A little stabbed ball into the box from Lau Hock Ming. And from that point on, it didn't touch the ground. Ha, with the jumping control onto his chest, and then wham, from about six yards out, Volleys it in. Yapung Fai had no chance. Great goal. Excellent goal. Close the nominations on goal of the season. I just wanted to ask about it. (laughs) (laughs) Good contender, I would say. Uh, After that hat-trick, James Ha is actually top of the venerable ethnic Chinese goal scorers chart. Exclusively presented by the Hong Kong Football Podcast. (laughs) Exclusively. Seven goals in the league for him. Nine in all competitions. I also thought their goalie, Setak Him, was back to his best in this match too, which is Good to see. And Southern got that win over Liman in part due to hilarious slip by Liman's Chan Ming Kong. Did you see this? No, I didn't. You, you have to watch. <laughs> he just he had the ball at centre back, not really under any pressure. And he just fell over for like no reason. And Marco Krasic ran in, took the ball, and finished. That was after 10 minutes. It made it 1-0. And the game sort of went on from there. 3-1. It ended. The Aberdeeners are on 24 points after 12 matches and regular correspondent Leicester has been in touch to point out that not only is that the best total they've ever had after 12 matches in the top flight, 
It's also just two points off their total for the entire previous season. So good going for them indeed. So both of those district teams we just mentioned beat Eastern recently. Eastern have only won one game in 13 in all competitions. In fact, they took the lead in both of these games against Taipo and Southern, losing both. Recently installed coach Andre Stolches, is that how you say it? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> has a tough task ahead of him to turn the tide. They've gone from being top of the table after six matches to now being fifth, seven points off top. And I was thinking the other day about how last time Eastern were good when they lost the title to Kichi on the final day a couple of seasons ago. They had a solid central defensive partnership of Josh Mitchell and Roberto Afonso. Both of those players left after that and how many centre-backs have they had since then? I count Joe Tycoon, Clayton Afonso, Lee Chi Ho, Jose Angel, Lima, Yusuke Igawa, any more? Sounds like a McDonald's staff turnover. <laughs> or KFC staff turnover in the case of Yusuke Igawa. <laughs> Lima was dropped for the typo match so Diego Eli dropped in to partner Clayton, there's another one for the list. And I think it says a lot about Eastern's situation and maybe is symptomatic or maybe not actually a symptom, a cause of their malaise is they just can't have a settled defense. That's true. And I think eventually reality has caught up with them because for a long time, they weirdly have been in the mix, right? Although they haven't really won a league game since, what is it, October? But because of then the, the fixtures, the schedules with other competitions where we could already see that they are dropping down, they were still up there in the league. And I think now it finally came to the point where they are on the position where they should be probably <laughs> given the, the performances. Very, very sad somehow because we really saw them as a main contender for the title at the beginning of the season. And even like praised this as the return to former glories, maybe. So yeah, that's a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, they're out of contention now, aren't they? Yes, very much so. I mean, never say never, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much in contention are RNF, top of the league and two points clear of Southern after wins over Yunlong and Lee Man. It was a tight match against Yunlong, which they won thanks to a 68th minute Lo Kuan Yi goal. But either side could have won this one. New Long were really going for it in the well-known spirit of their coach, Kenneth Kwok. Yeah, maybe a little bit too spirited at times. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular incident spring to mind? Well, he was called out after he picked up the ball from the sideline, even though the ball has not crossed yet the sideline. So he <laughs> immediately wanted to supply it to his own player for the throw-in. And then it turned into a free kick for the other side. <laughs> I haven't really seen this before, have you? I've seen players do it Yeah, when they think they're think they off the pitch and then they grab it on to take a throw in. But I, I don't think I've ever seen a coach do it. It's, I mean, that's some basic stuff, right? Don't touch the ball while it's in play if you're the manager. And he looked surprisingly surprised about it. <laughs> <laughs> so. What's wrong? I'm just giving him the ball. Uh, uh, yeah, so the Farmers are actually down in eighth now uh, after consecutive defeats, losing to Dreams before this one maybe you can contextualize again the nickname farmers i'm not sure everyone is catching oh is that not caught on yet okay <laughs> uh, it's just an old nickname for for you long it was their like official nickname back in the in the 60s and 70s so right. if, you, if you read a news report in the in those days it would say the the farmers and so i'm trying to bring it back only recently revived again by james Lay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing that you will see in mainstream media at the moment yet <laughs> it's very niche 
So the Farmers are actually down in eighth place after consecutive defeats, losing to Dreams before this one. RNF are, of course, top and can be reasonably installed as favourites to win the league in only their third season. They've already, with this point tally of 26, surpassed last season's total of 22, which is impressive in itself after 12 matches. Uh, Leicester has been in touch again about RNF. Hi, Leicester. Hi, Leicester. When was the last time, he asks, any club was as hated in Hong Kong as RNF are? I don't have an allegiance to any club, but I've gained a measure of respect for how RNF are handling the pressure. There's something refreshing about how they own the fact they're seen as villains as opposed to running from it. Surely the players must know about the vitriol that is being spewed at them online, and yet all they do is win. I guess it makes sense that a mainland club would be at least a little bit disliked. And then the fact that they have more money than everyone else and taking everyone's best players probably adds to that. Certainly. I think when I talk to, to other fans in, in Hong Kong, people feel a little bit more conflicted about R&F. Of course, there's the idea that it's a mainland club, but at the same time, you cannot really escape the fact that they are managed by very talented Hong Kong coach, that they have brought in Hong Kong players that have been key players in the previous clubs in Hong Kong, have actually also quite a fan base. So even though fans now might be angry about R&F and the mainland club taking up, I don't think that they are angry at the players, right, so much. I don't think that they are angry about Lo Kuan Yi. Even like former Kichi fans wouldn't say like, oh, Lo Kuan Yi was a traitor or something like this. Maybe by her. No one likes by her. <laughs> Yeah, I like by her, I have to say. <laughs> I think he's fine, it. just for the record. I think he's fine. <laughs> but I definitely understand what Lester is alluding here to, that it is still a very, very strange situation for a Guangzhou-based club, maybe winning the title in Hong Kong. And we don't really know what the consequences might be. We will probably <laughs> see if it really happens. Maybe we shouldn't anticipate it too much. There's still another historic moment that could happen in local football, but we come to this in a moment. Yeah, and just on that note, the behavior of the support staff might not endear them to people either. They are constantly being sent to the stands. And I say support staff, Yung Ching Kwong, the coach, is also sent to the stands a lot. But I think they're doing a great job. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll discuss later how good they are. And they certainly are if installed as favorites for the title. It's interesting that we have a three-way tussle between three teams that have never won the league. At the moment, it looks like it's going to be one of Southern, Taipo and RNF. And this is basically the point that I was already alluding to just, just a moment ago, that we could either have the situation at RNF win the title, as we said, or a district team. And the district team in the current setting, as we understand district teams in the last two decades, have never won a championship in Hong Kong. Uh, I think the only so-called district team were Yun Long in the 1960s, 1962-1963 season. The Farmers. The Farmers, as they are commonly known as. <laughs> But after that, you never had a district team grabbing or being in contention for the title. So even that could be a quite historic situation, given that district teams are differently organized, given that they are rooted in an actual place in Hong Kong. So that's also exciting. So having these three teams in the mix that never won a title, and no matter who wins, it, it would be a very big moment for Hong Kong football. Yes, yeah, certainly. And when we were at the Taipo game, Taipo Kichi, you said to me, so are Taipo title contenders? And I kind of dismissed that, right? And you got a little bit upset. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's me. <laughs> and what's interesting is that you have this kind of psychological block, don't you, with certain teams. Like if you've never seen a team in the league, you just assume they're not going to do it, right? You assume they're going to flub it somehow. They're going to 
blow it. I mean, the perfect example of this is when Leicester City won the Premier League. People were just like, no, Leicester don't win the league. That's just not how it happens. Man City win the league. Maybe Tottenham even could win the league, but not... Not Liverpool? (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll swear Liverpool. (laughs) And you do, you have this thing where you just think, no, you know, for example, we were much quicker to install Eastern as favourites when they were top of the league than we would have been with say one of these three clubs and it was a lot easier for us to say that because we've seen Eastern win the league in recent years we've seen them been involved in title challenges and now we kind of seem to have a situation where somebody highly unlikely is going to win the league I don't think Kitchi are out of it I think it, we should say that for the record yeah I think that's important <laughs> because they could still prove you right in your psychological space yeah. <laughs> that eventually they will still come from behind and take it it's, it's totally possible yeah. Although one thing on that front is that RNF do have six Premier League winners in their team. They individuals who have done this before. Can you name them? Oh, really? We have to name them all. <laughs> well, Lamchikin, of course. Yeah. Giovanni da Silva. That's two. Lokwani. Three. Bai He. Correct. Roberto Afonso. That's five out of six. And what's the sixth one? Paulinho. Oh, Paulinho. All yeah. oh, right. He's also at RNF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, so my point is that they, they do have this kind of pedigree in that, in that situation, which, which helps me lean towards them as favourites. However, they still haven't beaten Taipo, Southern or Eastern in, well, that's four games in the league this season and including cup games as well, I think. And things could get a little tougher for them soon, playing Southern and Kitchi next up. That's, that's a big testing couple of fixtures for the guys from Guangzhou. Speaking of Kichi, they looked good at the weekend when they beat Pegasus 3-0. Well, they looked good by recent standards. They were certainly not back to where they were last season, but there's a lot more danger now. Huang Yang and Christian Vadoc are back in midfield. That's almost an essential for them, I believe. Matt Smith looks to have settled things at the back, and they were getting dangerous balls through to Lucas Silva. It was Lucas who opened the scoring and it was his shot, which maybe was about to go in, but Zhu Yingji tapped it home for two before Clement Benadouche made it three on his first start, I believe, for Kichi. All the while, goalkeeper Wang Shenpeng did very well to keep out a Travis Major penalty. Like I say, they still hardly look world-beating and certainly not up to their standards of recent seasons. I think Alex Chu would rather have more options in the squad, but they're up in fourth now with Pegasus sixth. Right, and let's not forget they have a lot of injuries. Yeah. Helio, Nando Recio, Jared Lam, Tadic. So they could still look much better once some of the players return for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and Yuto Nakamura as well, I believe. And Right. But you're right. Uh, if Helio can come back in and partner Matt Smith, with no disrespect to Ling Ai Hoi, I think that would be a good thing for them. And Jared Lum, I think, has a certain dynamism uh, as kind of moving the ball into the final third, which they, well, he normally does it with his, he runs with the ball a lot more than at the moment they're reliant a lot on what were excellent through balls actually throughout the game for Lucas. I feel we may have neglected the <laughs> bottom half of the table slightly after back-to-back league wins, both of them 4-1 wins, mark you, Dreams are up in seventh, which is big for them. Uh, Yoon Long, as discussed, aren't getting the results, so they're eighth. Lee Man can't score, so they're ninth. And Hoi King are Hoi King, so they're tenth. (laughs) 
The Hong Kong Football Podcast comes out every two weeks, dropping on each second Wednesday. Make sure you never miss our latest show by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Big news for Hong Kong centre-back Andy Russell. Big news indeed. There was a very nice introduction video of him for his new club in the Chinese Super League, Hebei China Fortune, who are at the moment a kind of mid-table CSL team. They had very high ambitions in the past, but now settled somewhere in mid-table. But still, they're a decent team and a great step for his career. Absolutely. Very, very mind-blowing. I think Lester Dan actually pointed out something very interesting about this. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was like five years ago or so, Russell was playing in very low-level English football uh, with Fylde. I, I actually don't know how you pronounce it. F-Y-L-D-E. And since then, he was well, South China, Taipo. He had the, the, the time in, in Malaysia. And now he's gone from China League One to CSL, like one of the one of the biggest leagues in Asia, one of the most talked about leagues actually in the world and he joins players like I believe you know that I know nothing about this CSL but Google tells me that they have Javier Mascherano Ezekiel Levetzi and Javinio all massive names and they play very close to Beijing so he maybe can even stay in Beijing <laughs> for living it's not too bad yeah brilliant move for him and yeah congratulations on that what, what else is affecting Hong Kong players north of the border well not every Hong Kong player seems to be as Lucky as Andy Russell, particularly Alex Akande, who previously played for Yenpian Fude in the northeast of China, uh, a China League One team. But a few days ago, it was announced that they have actually gone bankrupt. And it seems that the team is completely folding, that they will be replaced by another team from the China League Two. And this would probably also mean that Alex will have to find a new team very, very soon. And we don't know if this might be in China or this might be somewhere else. Wow. What, what happened to the club? Why did they fall? Well, I think the official reason is that they had tax arrears, that they didn't pay the taxes for some time. And then, yeah, there was no solution to be found on the short term. And it's not just sad because of Alex, but it's also quite a historical club based in the Korean ethnic minority region of China, where a lot of Koreans actually playing in the club, where they have Korean chants and so on. So it's a kind of painful moment also for Chinese football. Yeah. That is that is very sad, and we is there a chance that we'll see Alex Akande back in the Premier League? Or well, everything is possible at the moment, I believe. Uh, he certainly needs to make sure that he finds a club as soon as possible, and we will see if it's China or Hong Kong. Good luck to him, one of Hong Kong's more popular characters. So, Kim Jong Un. Speaking of Koreans, <laughs> nice transition. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Jong Un might be in Vietnam to talk nuclear weapons and sanctions with Donald Trump, but his country has much. Bigger things on its plate. Igor Sartori, Wang Wai, Sandro, they're all on their way to Pyongyang this coming week because Taipo are making their AFC Cup bow in a two-legged match against Ryongmyong in North Korea. The green threat. The green threat, indeed. <laughs> the North Koreans managed to get past Aechim of Mongolia and will play the Greens in Pyongyang on the 7th of March. The return leg will take place under the lights at the Mongkok Stadium on Wednesday the 13th. So excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> Which, whichever team wins will go into the group stage of the AFC Cup, which of course is the AFC's secondary competition, the equivalent of the Europa League for any Europeans listening. Let's not forget Kichi will be in the group stage, whatever happens, but we can talk about that 
uh, later, you know, in a, in a couple of months' time. Also our favorite, April 25. And April 25 <laughs> also of North Korea will be there. I'm very excited about this game. I, I think worth noting that the, the first leg being in North Korea, we probably will never see what happens. We'll know what happens, but you probably won't get any highlights or live stream or anything like that. Highlights maybe after the game, but during the game, we probably have to rely again on any typo stuff that is <laughs> posting on Facebook. Live streaming. With the special VPN. <laughs> but yeah, there's no live broadcasting allowed, so we won't see anything like that. Okay, so Toby, how do you feel about your side's upcoming Asian campaign. Well, very excited. I hope that it will last a little bit longer than just for two matches. <laughs> it's still a bit of a shame that they have to go through the qualifiers, of course, which is a new system. In the past, we had two group stage spots. So it won't be easy against the North Korean side. I've heard that actually now that particular team is relatively good, that not all the good players are put into one team anymore, but a little bit more distributed. So it will be a tough game for Taipo for sure. Nonetheless, I hope that they will come through. Some how I'm quite excited again about the AFC Cup. It has a certain charm in itself that you cannot really get from the ACL. It's like the kind of hipster version of the ACL, <laughs> I feel. It is. <laughs> well, where you have to be still very dedicated to the game, but nonetheless, it has this kind of excitement of international glory and regional competition. So, yeah, I'm quite excited. And it will also prolong a little bit our season because it starts relatively late, the AFC Cup group stages then in April. And we'll, I think, go all the way until the beginning of June before all the rounds are played. So, yeah, exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that thing you're saying. There is something about the AFC Cup, which I guess because, you know, when Eastern and Kitchi have played in the Champions League, they're playing against, uh, it's always like Chinese, Japanese, South Korean teams who are really good. And like, they're like super professional. <laughs> and it, it, there's not much discovery or excitement involved in it it's like oh i'm just watching a really good team batter a hong kong team whereas this there's a certain element of the unknown i think with the afc cup you, you really don't know what you're going to get especially in the group stage so you've got you know quite a few guaranteed matches in hong kong against teams that yeah which can just totally surprise you and for typo in this case i think it's a good level as well to, to play at like i wouldn't fancy watching typo in the champions league for example yeah, I certainly agree. I think that it's the right level for them to, to play in. Also, in order to stay sustainable. They don't want the teams to think that and if they have to play the ACL, that they need to spend a lot of money. There's still some rumors that this might also have been a reason for Kichi why they had to reduce the squad later on because maybe they were overtaking themselves a little bit in that regard. So yeah, maybe it's the more sustainable thing, particularly for smaller clubs in Hong Kong. And who are Taipo going to deploy in this tournament? So of course, all the local players that they have, for most of them. But the four foreign aides they picked are Igor Satori, of course, no surprise there, Huao Emir, Eduardo Brace, and Harrison Sawyer. Mainly because they can only pick three foreign aides that are proper foreigners and one Asian aid and Harrison Sawyer as an Australian fits into this category so basically who they leave at home are Michel Lugo and Dudu controversial move not taking Dudu a defensive player you know he can play center back can play defensive midfield scores occasionally but the move also strikes me as very Lee Chikin in that he is just taking basically what he thinks are his best attackers and Eduardo Preyas <laughs> Yeah, I think the strategy will be very much scoring more than you're conceding <laughs> against the North Korean side. Fair enough, I believe. Dudu hasn't played many games, to be fair, this season. He was mainly a substitute, so that already is a kind of continuation of what they're playing domestically. The question, I think, that is more 
up there is if Harrison Sawyer is as much needed for the team now that you have Sandro. But nonetheless, he is the only Asian player in the squad, so it makes sense to nominate him as well. But he also haven't got many games since Sandro returned. Yeah, so it's interesting that you, know, you mentioned Sandro. I imagine the main impetus for his signing was the fact that he's a naturalized Hong Konger, so he can play as a Hong Konger. You know, he doesn't have to join this foreign player quota in the Asian competitions. It's going to be great to have him. He's a goal threat. I think he's a more, he's certainly a more natural finisher than Sawyer. But I think, and this is quite a luxury for a Hong Kong team. They've got two different kinds of striker there. Sawyer can have a good game where he doesn't score. Uh, he, you know, he can hold up the ball. He can bring other people into play. That was what he was doing a lot at the start of the season. He's got four goals in the league, plus a few in cups. And so I don't, I'm not saying he's not a goal threat at all. But I do think if you get them both facing goal, Sandro is the more likely of the two to score. You know, I mean, uh, it's also feasible that if they're losing, they could have both of them on at one time and they would both work nicely off each other. I think, you know, when you look at what's happened for particularly Eastern when they were in Asian competition, they just had Blader up front that was it that was your your one option and if he goes off well McKee's there going up front no option anymore up front yeah and even Kitchi left ridiculously left Lucas at home you know and they had Forlan and Alex Akande and after that they didn't have many options either so so yeah Taipo have too many yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying like I, I think for a team that isn't one of the big spenders in the league they, they, they've got themselves a nice little squad for these games especially at, in attacking anyway yeah absolutely I'm really looking forward to this match at the Moncock because assuming it's still a competitive fixture after the first leg, and I I think it will be, it's going to be a great atmosphere. I really like these games where all Hong Kong football fans come to back one team. And I I think Taipo really are one of the neutrals' favourites in the city and they play such buccaneering football that it, it really could be fun in the way that South China's matches used to be when they played in the AFC Cup. You know, some memorable matches against Johor, in which, you know, you had the whole stadium who weren't necessarily South China fans really getting behind this Hong Kong team. Common sense lady equalizer. Right? Yeah, yeah. Legendary moment. <laughs> and I think it would be really good to see. And I'm very excited. I think anyone who is interested in Hong Kong football should should get down for this game. It'll be really good. In between these matches, the Greens actually have a Sapling Cup game against their league rivals RNF. I'm not sure either team will care much about this match. Yeah, it's a little bit strange. I mean, both teams still have the chance to qualify for the semifinals, but only if things go their way in the other game between Dreams and Yulong. I think what needs to happen is that Yulong is dropping points or are not winning. And only then there is a small chance for RNF or typo to leapfrog them if they win and even like by by higher goal margin because goal difference counts instead of head-to-head records so yeah it's it's a marginal chance for both of these teams and so maybe they don't take it too seriously anymore yeah and they've they've got other things on their plate it is the last round of sapling code fixtures this weekend if dreams and Yun Long draw in that group, they'll probably almost certainly go through to the semis. So look out for a draw in that match. Actually, the game happens after the typo RNF game. So they will controversially, they'll know what they need from that game. And that's not ideal. Not ideal, no, but you know, it's it's Hong Kong football. It's all to play for in group B, however, where Pegasus are more or less through, but Lee Man Kitchi. And Southern could all still take that second place in the semi-finals. There is one league game, and that's Pegasus versus Easton at the Moncock, 8pm 
on Saturday. As we discussed, things not great with Easton at the moment. A win would mean Pegasus leapfrog them into fifth, putting them, well, down into the second half of the table. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, I think Pegasus probably will do that. Could be, but also Pegasus look a bit like East. <laughs> I don't know. They have so, so, some kind of commonality here. You don't have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's a little unfortunate for Pegasus. You know, they, they lost a couple of key players at the start of the season. They lost their coach. And they still got goals in the team. You've got Travis Major, I believe, is the top scorer in the league. Maybe Lucas has just overtaken him. Sasaki Shu is a good option as well. And... Yeah, I, I would back them for this game. The weekend after that, which is also before we next speak, there are quite a few games which will probably be predictable. Yoon Long versus Hoi King. I really hope for Yoon Long's sake that they can win that one. <laughs> What's your negative bias towards Hoi King? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a fair point. I, I just I want Yoon Long to do well, and they're down in they're down in eighth now. Like we we started the season saying things like, oh, you know, they're the surprise package. You know, they're really outperforming their level in terms of personnel. But now, you know, there's only so long that you can say things like, oh, they play well but don't get the results, and it's starting to look like, well, it's kind of on you guys if you're not getting the results. And that's true. At the same time, if Hoi King would draw against Yoon Long, they at just one point behind Lehman and could really drag Lehman into a very, very tight relegation fight for the last few rounds. Yeah, certainly. Lehman, I honestly, I watched them against, who was it against? Against Southern. And they lost 3-1, but I thought they were good. Like, they they moved the ball around nicely. Uh, the guy in Dree looks good. He's got a few good touches on him. And it's just, they just can't score. They can't get the ball into dangerous positions. And then even if they do, they, you know, they're the lowest scorers in the league. And you can tell when you're watching them. And that, that is, that's a major problem for them. But anyway, yeah, sorry, I take back my negativity about Hoi King. <laughs> I, I hope they do well as well. We are very yeah. neutral at the Hong Kong Football Podcast. We are. <laughs> we didn't mention um, the controversy after Hoi King's match against Dreams. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> you only mentioned it still. So long story short... Hoiking was very upset with the referee's decisions. Not so much about the late penalty, because there was no controversy around the penalty itself, but more the fact that Dreams players were not booked throughout the entire game, whereas Hoiking received a lot of yellow cards. Dreams actually, I think, accumulated 15 fouls or so. Some very harsh tackles, some kind of last-minute tactical fouls, but got away without a booking. Yeah, the, the players were very upset and then surrounded the referee, started to push him, attack him verbally. So he's yet to see if there will be any consequences mm. for the players. Chris Anand famously was very disappointed. Uh, we know that Chris Anand has a career of 20 years in professional football and he called it the worst referee he has ever seen. <laughs> so that's quite of a statement <laughs> from a football legend. Mm. But yeah, so altogether they are not very happy and feel a little bit unfairly treated by the officials. Yeah, and we'll see what happens in terms of disciplinary bother for some of the players Kichi will play Dreams in Ching Yi. And I know I just said that the games this weekend could be predictable, but Dreams have won their last two league games. So you never know. Of course, Kichi will be looking at this as three points they need to take from one of Hong Kong's more scenic stadiums. Then we have Taipo away at Li Man. Taipo are actually going to play four games in 13 days here when you take into account those two games against the North Korean side in the AFC Cup, the RNF game, which you've just mentioned, and this Lee Man game. So this is the third of those four 
for a team with not a large squad, that's going to be tough, right? Right. Probably even more reason to not take the upcoming Supply game too seriously. Definitely. So a, a test of squad management and conditioning for the Greens there. See how they do or if they need reserves to come in. But the big one that we haven't mentioned yet on the 9th will be at Aberdeen Sports Ground where second placed Southern take on top side RNF. Southern have the best defence in the league right now. RNF have the best attack. It will be interesting to see how this one pans out. Since RNF came into existence, the sides have met six times. Southern have won five and there's been one draw. The draw was earlier this season in Guangzhou, 1-1. Of course, you'll remember this could be a very interesting match, couldn't it? Yes, definitely the one in this round to watch. It's Yeah, it's certainly the, the highlight in terms of league football for the next fortnight. Over on the beautiful south side of Hong Kong Island. With the makeshift stand in Everton Sports Ground. <laughs> Which way will it go? It's hard to say. I think both teams are so close in the table at the moment that they have equal chances of either winning or drawing. So the other two teams, particularly Kichi and Taipo, will hope for points dropped. Kichi is playing against Dreams, right? Taipo against Liman. So they might already count on three points in their respective games. And that could give them actually the opportunity to go on top of the league if things go their way. Actually, technically neither team could go top. However, they could certainly cut their gap between themselves and top. But yeah, the, the point stands that both of those sides will be looking for a draw in this game. I would back RNF. Of course you do. Why, of course? I mean, earlier this podcast, you already made a case for RNF, so I would believe that you are consistent in your analysis. It's true. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm nothing if not consistent in my analysis. How about you? Let me back Southern because they have a good run again. And I think that they came to terms with themselves after this Hoi King loss and looked great against Eastern the other day with the haha hat trick. So you never know. Maybe he can do it again. Yeah. And I note that Nikola Komasec is coming back to full fitness after his long term injury. So that's another striking option for them should they choose to take it. I guess this is the longest distance derby. <laughs> But it's the opposite of a derby, the two teams that are furthest away from each other, Guangzhou and the south of Hong Kong. Very much so, yes. Maybe they can listen to this podcast on the way to the match. The Guangzhou well, they team. can listen to it twice, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> well, four times to go by bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good day for It fits exactly into the duration of a high-speed railway journey. Yeah. Only if we stop now, otherwise it gets too long. So right. on, on that note, let's stop the episode there. That's everything for this edition of the Hong Kong Football Podcast. Have a great time at the football. Hope your team wins. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's a place for you.